Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. This is an episode about the corona pandemic and how this will affect our lives and our mobility behavior and our relationship uh, with the technology that we have. It is the number one theme of this time and uh, I can't escape it, you can't escape it and it affects us all. So um, yeah, there is an episode on it. A few things up front, um, I believe the virus exists, it is uh, pretty contagious and people die with and from it. This is, um, let's say, the basic understanding um, that uh, we should have uh, on, on the on this episode, on this podcast episode. If um, you feel that I am wrong with any of these points, You may skip this one and uh, tune in next time when um, I will have a different different thing to talk about. So the virus is here. It uh, changes the world. It changes our societies. And uh, it affects, it changes each and every single person on this, on this globe. It uh, affects our ability the type of mobility, the frequency, the vehicles we're going to use. Um, so there are changes that will remain beyond uh, the beyond today, beyond what we see today. It will also affect the way we plan, we develop and we use vehicles and mobility. Even before Corona, we had an exponential growth in technology. We are living in this um, hockey stick time. So when we look back, um, there was pretty small movement until, let's say, well, 50, 60 years ago. Then it's uh, speeded up, uh, particularly after the Second World War. Um, we saw a growing growth. Um, and the speed was raising in uh, the development of technologies and in the past uh, 20 years uh, we are in this in this hockey stick development and uh, which speeds it up again and um, you can be sure this is not the end so the speed of the speed uh, will grow we will see this exponential grow growth and uh, in, in the future now we have a disruptor um, what uh, Nicholas Taleb calls a black swan, something 
that happens um, where we have um, hardly any or no control at all. It comes surprising. It is uh, no one had foreseen it. Um, but as of today, everybody says, yeah, that has, this has been possible and, and uh, this has been foreseeable. But um, there was no, no chance for us to, to um, change anything to hinder this uh, to happen. We had this uh, disruptor with the coronavirus and all the limitations that we experience. And uh, we are, I mean, I'm recording this one um, late December 2020. Um, the first vaccinations are delivered and um, there is a certain hope that uh, this will help and and the pandemic um, let's say in 2021 mid of uh, 2021 but no one knows nobody knows and uh, nobody can foresee what's what's happening in here in addition we experience a deep crisis of meaning in the automotive industry we have uh, various technical disruptions. Um, this starts with uh, the connectivities of cars, uh, with, the, with the high amount of software, of digitization of cars, um, autonomous uh, or automated driving um, is something that will change the automotive industry. It's also the electric drivetrain that will replace the, the combustion engines and, and gearboxes. So there is uh, quite a lot of thing, uh, things that, that will come. Um, besides that, uh, we will see new business models. Uh, we will see new forms of ownership uh, of cars. And uh, we will see new forms of uh, mobility. I personally noticed uh, the very first slowdown of the vehicle industry in the summer of 2018 when in China the growth of uh, the registrations of new cars slowed down. That was the very first indicator that the automotive industry may face hard times. And uh, in summer 2019, um, that became more and more obvious. And if you talk to people like me in the industry, um, everybody will tell you that there was a slowdown in business, um, that uh, the business opportunities uh, shrinked. And um, so that was a turning point in, in the summer of uh, 2019. The coronavirus and the measures uh, we take to, to limit uh, the uh, problems um, that this virus causes is accelerating the changes. Um, it is acting even more disruptive. And, uh, well, uh, we will see new players, we will see new companies, we will see old companies dying. And um, this would have happened anyway, but the corona pandemic is accelerating this, like corona is accelerating a lot. We will face dramatic changes in life uh, in the next uh, months and years. Um, things will be totally different from what they are today in, um, well, let's say, five to ten years from now. In this podcast episode, um, I'm going to analyze uh, three of um, these changes that I see and their 
um, consequences for mobility, for technology and, and, and for cars that we have. The first one, um, the first change uh, is uh, new work and new forms of work that we will see. Let's start this one with a little um, anecdote of my life. I started my business five and a half years ago in uh, May 2015. And uh, when I kicked it off, I had a few um, cornerstones um, that were absolutely set and um, that I didn't ask discuss about. One was, for example, infrastructure as small as somehow possible, no people working constantly for me, no external money, no external expectations. It's my thing. And one of the reasons why I started my business was um, that I had the feeling um, that there is more in life than going to an office every morning and uh, doing work for somebody else and then going back in, in the evening, which I had done uh, for, for 25 years at that point in time. And um, I loved it over a large amount of uh, um, these different jobs that I had. But uh, at the end of the day, my feeling was I should spend more time mobile, location independent. I should use my apartment uh, at Mallorca more. And um, so I had the idea, yeah, when, when I'm independent, when I have my own business, when I... When I uh, When I'm a solopreneur, uh, then uh, I will have the chance to spend more time in the sun, on the beaches, and still do an excellent job for, for my clients. And uh, before I started my business, I uh, met an old friend of mine uh, in uh, one of the bars down there at, at uh, Mallorca. And uh, I, I talked to him about this and then said, yeah, I'm planning this and I'm dreaming about this. And then he said, hey, uh, Peter, why don't you attend the DNX conference? And DNX stands for Digital Nomads. The Digital Nomads are a comparably new movement, um, meaning it uh, came up in the last six, seven, eight years. And... Uh, It basically is location independent work is uh, running your business from anywhere on the globe having I mean the ideal situation is that you have a product that you have a shop that you have something that more or less works by itself you set it up over a strong hustle time um, then you put it online um, you do it on the internet and then um, you Uh, just sit there and count the money and optimize the processes and expand and That's the basic idea of the DNX, the digital nomad movement. And I attended this conference and I found, all right, um, there here are 500 people dreaming exactly the dream I am dreaming. And uh, then there were 50 people that uh, were actually living that dream. And uh, there were some of them working as freelancers online, making a few 10,000 euros of revenue per year. Um, others had uh, million-dollar businesses um, that they ran from from a hamrock somewhere on Bali uh, or in, uh, in Thailand and uh, doing business from there. And I realized, all right, I'm not dreaming an unrealistic dream. Uh, it's reality. I can turn it into reality. I can do it. 
And so, so I started that and um, was a bit long the story now, but uh, this is a new form of work that we will have and I can see this growing. So home office was a no-go for many companies uh, about a year ago. Today it is very normal. Uh, it uh, works in most cases better than expected and even better than before. So one of my friends runs a design company in, in Stuttgart and um, he had exactly that mindset. I want my people to be here in the office all day, seven days, I know, five days a week and all year round and I want to see them. And now he's like, nope, um, if I can do it with an online conference, if I can have a digital conference instead of a meeting, I'm going to do this. It's more efficient, it's faster, it saves me money. And um, parts of this will remain in the future. Uh, we will have, um, as I see it, a mix of home office work. Whatever can be done from the home office will be done from the home office. And um, there will be face-to-face -face meetings. There will be big company meetings. There will be team meetings in the future that will be analog, that will be real, that will be in a meeting room. But we will have a change in mobility. People will not drive and will not commute anymore, will not drive to work in the morning and, and back in the evening. But uh, they will um, stay at home many days a week, whether it's two days a week, three days a week, four days a week. But they will stay home and they will not be on the road in these times when we have commuting traffic anyway, when the roads are stuck with people. I mean, they will put a release on that. We will see that uh, we can save office space. So, I mean, if uh, you come into the office just a day or two per week, you will not need a fixed working place anymore and you can save many of the desks um, that you had. So you can have more flexible office spaces and you will have smaller office spaces. Which also then leads to that the number of parking places you need in front of your building that you need to reserve for your guys and girls is, is, is going down, is shrinking. And um, people will have more time. People will be able, instead of sitting in a traffic jam or on, on, a, on a train, uh, commuting to work, uh, people will have time, either quality time with their family or they can work for their companies. And So all this will, will change. So we will have a reduced mobility, uh, less cars on the road. We will have... Um, Uh, less people in trains, um, less traffic, less traffic jams. The entire parking infrastructure will be different from what we see today. So we have these changes there and they will remain after the corona pandemic. On the other hand, of course, um, there will be jobs where I'm super heavy, super happy that uh, the people are not in a home office. For example, my dentist, uh, the pilot of an aircraft I'm sitting in, um, the police, uh, fire brigades, uh, emergency services, um, but also the guy behind a, a bar counter when, when I'm having my beer there. I will be super happy when there is a person not working from home office, 
by being there. Plus, that we are social beings. We need people around us. Some of us have a stronger need for this, some not so much. But at the end of the day, we need to talk to other humans. We need to communicate with other humans. We need to have this direct communication without a digital filter um, uh, to, to communicate with other people. And uh, we need all sensory channels for a full, complete and satisfying communication. An online video call is good if you want to exchange a couple of facts, if you if you want to agree on something, if you want to organize something. But if you want to really meet people, um, you need to have a, a full uh, full sensory, all sensory channels. You need to see them, the full body. You need to smell them. You need to hear them, um, not through a microphone, but live directly and I mean, this this will be will be a fact for the future as well. So new work means that there will be a balance between home office and presence office, and uh, we will be in our offices and meeting rooms for exactly those occasions when it makes sense. We will travel on site. We will we will travel. We will be on site, and if digital communication is sufficient, then we stay at home or at any other location we want to be. The second trend that I see um, that uh, uh, the corona pandemic is, is uh, bringing us is a new way of social interaction. We as humans need this direct social interaction from looking into the eyes of uh, our partners, of our uh, of the people we talk to, to handshakes. I mean, we Germans are very strong handshakers and uh, other cultures do this as well or have other rituals of meeting people. In Spain, for example, um, we have uh, the besitos, um, the, the little kisses and the huggings um, that are uh, important if you meet people. And that goes down to sex, uh, which is something that uh, we should do face to face and not not digital. My favorite bar at Mallorca, Tim's Bar at uh, Port Andrach, recently posted on Facebook: "Besos will be back soon." Uh, I hope so, and I have. Uh, uh, I mean, this indicates that they post this indicates uh, how strong the need for meeting people face to face in a bar having a beer and then yeah hugging and kissing them uh when when you meet them another situation where uh, physical tightness where being close to other people is essential is uh, for example if you watch a sport event I mean, we see this um all these uh, what we call the ghost games um at the German soccer league But also, I'm, I'm watching the NFL, uh, the National Football League of American Football, every Sunday evening on TV. And seeing these stadiums without people is a super strange, uh, super, yeah, super strange thing. And uh, being there, and uh, I mean, sometimes there are a very low number of people in the uh, in the arenas. 
But, uh, I mean, that's not the real feeling. That's not the real thing. So if you go to a soccer game, if you go to a football game, a hockey game, whatever, uh, you want to be squeezed into masses of people. You want to party. You want to be part of a larger crowd. You want to sing songs. And, I mean, um, this, again, makes us human to be part of, of these groups. And it's pretty much the same in, in clubs, uh, discotheques, and uh, at concerts so my uh, my last time at a club was was a rock night here at at Böblingen at a club and and we really enjoyed it and I'm really missing that being stuck in there listening to loud music and and being squeezed into into other people and and into, into a mass of people the same with live concerts live rock concerts um i used to visit about well half a dozen per year maybe in the last years um, that had been far more when when i was younger but um yeah every every eight to ten ten months uh, weeks um uh, visiting one of these concerts and i'm heavily missing that it's not only the live event it's not only the music but it's also seeing meeting people there and, and being part of of a larger crowd It uh, remains to be seen when, how, and if at all, handshakes, besitos, hugs, concerts, sport events will return uh, in a way. Um, I have the fears that we will see limits there for a very long time, which then will also affect uh, mobility. So... If digital communication persists on a large scale, there will be less mobility. And um, when we keep on with the distancing, for example, when concert, concerts uh, take place in, in, in drive-in cinemas, on drive-in situations, then we need a new infrastructure. We need to have these drive-in places, and there are hardly any... Uh, existing in, in Germany, uh, there's a little more space in North America, but in Europe, um, there is not too much space, particularly not in, in, in urban areas where it makes sense to have drive in uh, event arenas. Um, and so we will need to build these infrastructures and try to find out how we can uh, bring 1,000, 2,000 cars for a rock concert into, into one, one arena. Um, plus the fact that watching a rock band uh, in a car is probably not sexier than, than watching them on a screen. Um, so maybe we will go to more online events in that area as well. But um, that again will change a lot in, in our behavior and in, in our mobility. The third point uh, I'd like to talk about, and um, now it gets a little more automotive focus, is new mobility concepts, uh, new vehicles, and new ownership models uh, we will see in, in the future. The uh, corona, the pandemic, and the restrictions we have accelerated a couple of latent trends, a couple of trends that had been there that would have happened anyway. It just accelerated, it speeded them up. Um, but there was a 180 degrees turnaround in one of the trends in, uh, in mobility. 
I uh, used to drive uh, quite a lot with a car sharing service. So the idea is um, you have a couple of cars parked somewhere. One of these cars will be close to you. You book this with a, with a smartphone app. Then you go to uh, the car. Uh, you, you open it with the app. And then you drive from A to B. Um, you drop the car. You lock the car. And, and the app sends you an invoice or books uh, the amount from your credit card. And then somebody else can, can use this car. So this, this vehicle sharing was about to kick off uh, in, in uh, Germany and Europe and in other parts of the world. Um, so it's self-driving vehicle sharing. Um, it slowed down even before Corona. Um, the, the fleets were cut. Um, the areas where you could rent this car and drop the car were limited um, so it is it's pretty difficult to, to to make a business out of this even today i mean everybody from a theoretical point of view if we think about it we say yes this makes sense but um, if it gets down to reality uh, many people just don't do it and for me one of the reasons is the dirt or the hygienic situation in, in these cars so when i enter this car um, and, and I find there's dirt on, on the carpet and my first thought was who was sitting on the seat before me who touched this steering wheel before me what person was it and um, in the pandemic uh, people are learning how viruses and bacteria spread so we know that there is um, uh, it may be contagious through the air or through touching surfaces or whatever. And, and, and people that had not known anything about this a year ago, um, they know all the details today. And this is something that changed uh, due to the pandemic and that uh, will remain. I mean, this this will not change. This will not not cannot go away. So um, this vehicle sharing may be even more limited uh, due to that, uh, that people say, mm, as long as I don't know if this car, the steering wheel, all the surfaces are really clean, I won't use it. And there will be ways out of this, yes, but um, it will be hard, uh, first of all, to develop the technology, to install the technology, and then to teach the people that with an ultraviolet uh, flash that we have in the car, lighting in the car, uh, ultraviolet disinfection, um, the car will be safe to use. I mean, um, that, that will take quite some time. Um, what also will change is flying, flying with aircraft, some that will change. And uh, maybe, first of all, it's just the feeling if you are squeezed into a public transport, aircraft or bus or train, you suddenly recognize everyone else as a potential virus carrier. So people will have a bad feeling. Mm, there's a person, I don't know, sitting beside me, squeezed in shoulder by shoulder. This will give us a bad feeling. And this applies for all forms of public transport. So I personally have not used public transport in the past months. Um, 
definitely not since early October. During the summer, a very few times. Um, before that, at least at cities like Berlin, um, I always used buses and, and undergrounds to, to get around in the city. But um, yeah, um, I think I'm not the only one. All traffic statistics show that uh, we have a lower use of public transport and a higher use of cars and everyone that can somehow afford it, that can somehow organize it, uh, is, is using a car. So I'm not alone in this world and we will see consequences in our mobility. Um, particularly for the vehicles that we use and, and also for the vehicle ownership. The idea that we will have shared traffic will come. We will have shared vehicles in future cities, in future scenarios. Um, but my feeling is that this will be far slower than we had expected it before Corona and uh, than we may think it today as well. What does this mean for future vehicles? They will be connected. They will be electric. And they will be small, meaning with a small spatial footprint. And they will be privately owned, meaning that uh, we will not have a sharing. People want to have their private car. I mean, this is a strong tendency as of today. We have this. It is. It is. Uh, people want to have their own cars, and um, the idea of car sharing will not be as 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 uh, strong as we we had thought it. But privately owned cars will have uh, will be it. Plus the fact that public transport is not uh, as popular anymore. So also the need for a privately owned vehicle. This may be something like a Renault Twizy, um, a little two-seater, um, four wheels, two seats. Um, there's a little weather protection in it. It's fully electric and um, it's quite fun to ride, actually. And I can see vehicle concepts like this uh, a, a strong part of, of future mobility. An alternative are electric scooters. Um, I'm talking about the scooters you sit on, the two-wheelers. Um, there are these electric scooters where you stand on. Um, I see them more as toys. Um, I don't think that they will have a long-lasting life. But these electric uh, scooters to sit on or, as an alternative, e-bikes, meaning traditional bikes supported, uh, supporting the driver with an electric engine, um, those are also vehicle concepts that we're going to see in urban areas of the future. We will see a switching from public transport to, to such vehicles. People that drive around with an oversized uh, huge SUV uh, in, in a city today, they will want to do this tomorrow as well. They will not go to these, but... People that are either not mobile today or used public transport or smaller cars, they will switch to these small, small footprint uh, electric vehicles in, in the near future. 
what we need for this. And um, this is one of the major points, uh, the major limiting bottlenecks that I see in, in electric mobility uh, are charging options. Um, we need to, to provide, and this again will change the face of our cities. This will change the, we'll need infrastructure uh, requirements. We have infrastructure requirements. Um, we need these charging stations and they should be pretty quick. Um, many people will need them at home. Um, if they have an own garage, um, it will not be a problem. But for those uh, living in, in areas without garages and inner city areas, we need to provide them um, close to their homes, but also in offices and shopping malls. But that I see as the easier part. The hard part will be to uh, go through the living areas and, and uh, uh, offer charging options there. All right, quick summary. Um, I talked about three things influencing mobility of the future of the post-corona pandemic mobility. Um, one is that we will have new ways of work. Uh, new work, new world of work. The second one is uh, we will have new social interactions. Um, this includes attending concerts and sports events. The entire the, the, the big question behind this is how much of the social, the physical distancing we experience today will remain. Um, I think there will couple of things will remain, um, so we will have a change in there. And we will have new mobility concepts, and um, they differ in a few aspects from the uh, mobility concepts we had uh, for the future we had a year ago, um, due to the, first of all, due to the hygienic reasons and the need for a private ownership of a vehicle. At the very end, a few takeaways. Um, new mobility will be old mobility, but with different vehicles. Home office and cocooning will result in less traffic. And there will be fewer public and more private forms of mobility. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de Tune in next time, take care and stay healthy.